entitled it. I really like that copy machine. I just hit a button and I can record all of the scripture I'm looking at down here and come pick it up and make my notes from it. In Mark chapter 10, it's getting in the middle of Christ's ministry. He's proven himself to the Gentiles and to the Hebrew people with miracles and whatnot. This portion of scripture cannot be argued as a parable because it names a person. It names an individual, and what a privilege. Blind Bartholomew's was only time he's mentioned in Scripture, but what an honor to have your name put, it, put in the book of life uh, for others to read from your view in heaven. I'll read the Scripture to you, then we'll look at it. And they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples, that's Jesus, and his and a great number of people, blind Bartholomew, the son of Pemelus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more great, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he ch chaseth away his, casteth away his garment, and rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith, has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. One of the theme portions of Scripture I think of when I read this is uh, Romans ten seventeen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And you see that demonstrated there. Another verse that comes to my mind right away, for by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, at least any man should boast. This man, Bartholomew, trusted in Jesus Christ, took him at his word and exercised faith and acted upon it. Now you got a picture of a man, a beggar, laying alongside the road. He had to get up and come and respond to Christ. The first thing is the city of Jericho should be noted in, this, in looking at this portion of Scripture. They came to Jericho. It's called the City of Palm Trees, sort of like Miami, Florida, uh, in uh, what we romantically regard Miami, Florida. And as he went to Jericho with his disciples, Christ was going to the city. Uh, he came from the City of Palm Trees, which is a very wealthy city, like Miami was at one time. When I was a young man, it was a very wealthy, prominent city. All the old retirees went there and and spent their fortunes and lived in, uh, in luxury. That's one of the reasons this man was there. Bartholomew was there because it was a popular place to lay along the road and beg for money. They had merchants would come into that town, and, and there was no such thing as welfare then, although there was some Roman uh, materialism, and they tried to buy some votes, more or less, some some uh, 
get it confused with the day and age we're living in. Uh, they uh, was the land of rich and famous, and it was a good place for beggars to sit and ask for handouts. Jesus and his disciples, a great number of people, uh, and a great number of people were following and sat as he sat a homeless man by the side and begged Romans uh, citizens. Again, to have your name written in Scripture is a wonderful thing. And when he had heard that he was, it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Now, Nazareth is quite a ways from Jericho. It'd take about a week to walk that. It's 86 miles, if I recall rightly. And it's quite a ways away. So Jesus was quite a ways from his hometown. He was quite a ways from where he lived. And he was in Jericho. And he was headed, obviously, uh, uh, on his way back. And when he had heard it, it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Now, the first thing I got, point one, is cry out. He began to ask and cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David. When he was confessing Jesus Christ as the son of David, there was no thing, nothing real special about the name Jesus at that time. It's a little bit was a little bit like the name Jesus in Mexico right now. Everybody's named Jose, Jose, Jose. And that's because they're always wanting their son. It was a habit. They're wanting their son to be the uh, the next leader, spiritual leader of the land. And the same in the Hebrew people. A lot of times they named their children Jesus. They didn't want to pronounce it but they'd name their sons, their surname would be Jesus of some kind. But to call him Jesus of Nazareth was admission of the fulfillment of the prophetic portion of the prophetic scripture that talked about a Messiah coming from Nazareth. So what he was hollering, what he was saying out loud is, hey, Jesus the Messiah to all the Hebrew people of the day. He accepted and understood that this miracle maker had to be of God, and not only of God, but the Messiah, the God-man that was going to come and redeem the nation. He confessed that out loud. Now, he wasn't without opposition. I want you to see three things in this portion of Scripture. It's uh, salvation, service, and sacrifice. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more, a great deal, thou son of David. Now, his everybody knew Jesus' dad was who? Joseph. But he called him son of David. Again, proclaiming him as the Messiah, the coming Savior of the Hebrew people. Contrary to what the crowd Said They said in verse 48, he should hold his peace, but he cried the more, great, a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, mercy is getting something you don't deserve. Grace is getting more than you deserve. And he was asking the son of David, God-man, for mercy as he recognized him as his Savior. How many of us 
are worthy of salvation. How many? He realized that, and he cried out. The next thing he did is he rose. He arose. He came from where he was on the ground, dust-covered and dirty. We're watching a movie uh, about Australia, a series, Man from Snowy River, one of the few shows we could watch that isn't got profanity in it and anything like that. But uh, the streets are always dirty. And my wife says, how come muddy? And I, my wife says, how come the streets are always muddy? I says, well, they film that in the winter in Australia because they can get all the stage set up and the towns are pretty empty there. But the main reason the streets are wet is because they don't want the movie stars and all their beautiful clothes and they go way overboard. The women cook biscuits with earrings on. But uh, they, uh, they don't want them to get dusty and dirty. Can you imagine what it's like to lay on a heavily traveled street just outside of the rich neighborhood? How dirty and the trash that gets thrown out. You're, you're, you're living off whatever the people discard, and they're generous about what they discard for the first thing, but the dust and the traffic. He rose up out of that. His filthy rags he threw off. In fact, the next thing, Jesus, first thing I want you to recognize, though, is Jesus stood still. When he cries out, he said, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, I hear something. Just like the story, someone touched me. God knows when you cry out his name. That's why one of the top commandments is not to use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I was with somebody this week, and I had to ask him to quit praying. And they go, what do you mean I'm praying? And I says, you're using God's name. That's a common thing in this day and age. We tend to use God's name in vain. Oh, my God. And I'm not afraid to call on him right now in front of you, and I hope he, I know he stopped and looked. That's what he does when you cry out his name. Now, if it's because you lost a hand of poker or you, you didn't win the lottery, you just are going the wrong direction when you call on him. You remember the story you heard when you were a little child about the man who cried wolf? You can cry wolf, and you can cry wolf, and you can cry wolf. Pretty soon, God goes, well, he's just playing poker again. Or she just burnt the cookies again. We don't need to use his name in vain. That's one of the things God reacted to when you cry out and ask for him. He hears you. He stops. He's so busy. And he stops. He cried out again in verse 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out the more. Great deal. Uh, excuse me. He cried out the more. Great deal, though. Or, excuse me. He cried out. Get over that in a minute. Verse 48. He cried out more. A more, a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Then what was the result of that crying out? He wanted mercy. Lord heard him and bestowed mercy on him, gave him something he didn't deserve, didn't talk to him about not being prepared as with a garment, but he threw that garment away and Jesus stood still, commanded him, Jesus told him to do something, and he called and they, and they called the blind man saying unto him, be of good comfort, rise and he calleth thee. That's the group of people around him said, okay, get up. So he cried out. He cried out twice in verse 47 and verse 48 for mercy. The crowd said, get up. 
and rise. He got off his, the dusty highway, probably brushed himself off a little bit, took the spittle from his face, and he cast away his garment. He rose and came to Jesus. They mentioned rose twice. Twice he had to get up physically and to get up spiritually to come to Christ. He cast us away his garment. Now, some commentaries will tell you he threw away his garment because the government issued him his clothing. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, they didn't have quite that extensive of a welfare system, especially designated in that area uh, by the Roman Empire and such. Uh, but his garment represents sin in his life. And he threw away that sin in his life, disregarded the only thing that gave him comfort outside of God, uh, outside of uh, the, the physical th substance of this world, and took off his garment. And that word garment means outer covering. He threw off his coat. It might have been cold that day. It might have been rainy that day. Then he wouldn't have to worry so much about the dust. But that's why they have the streets muddy in Australia on the film set. And he... Uh, he threw that off. He got himself spiritually prepared. What does that take? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you're going to see very shortly here, he is made righteous through the mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we have salvation, and he's called to service. And casting away his garments, he rose and came. He was obedient to God. He made an effort to respond to his word to the best of his ability. I come in my mind to the thief on the cross who's hanging there with his arms pinned back behind him, maybe not even pinned, just tied, waiting to suffocate. And Jesus Christ hangs between him and the other thief. What could he do to serve God? What could he do to remedy himself? In a couple of simple words, he says, we get what we deserve. He, this man has done nothing. He just recognized Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the thief on the cross, and so did this man. He recognized Jesus Christ for who he was. I talked about the uh, denomination just a little earlier ago that kidnapped the, uh, the wonderfulness of uh, the Irish being saved. That whole denomination talks about salvation. They talk about being saved from your original sin, the sin of Adam and Eve which is a perpetual lie. That's not one mark against your soul that's removed. It says he died, Jesus Christ, for all our sins, every one of them. And that's how the Catholic Church talks about salvation. He died for that one sin. You have a chance now to earn your way to heaven. And so this man recognized that Jesus Christ, the man that was up there, the crowd didn't want him to disturb him. And he recognized that uh, this guy was the real thing. So much so that he's willing to cast off his filthy clothes, his garment, and come and seek what Jesus Christ did for him and ask Christ, what do you want from me? What do you have for me to do? He says, rise and come. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do? Unto thee. See, Jesus Christ wants you. He wants you saved. He died for you. He wants to meet you. 
He wants to bless you. He wants you to be there when he gets off and when he looks down and draws the flock together from heaven. And Jesus answered, said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And we know the likings and the parallels between I was, we travel by faith, not by sight. He was willing to put his destiny in the Lord. Sure, he had plenty to gain, but the impossibilities of him receiving his sight, he probably, if he had any means at all, had already expired them trying to get his sight, if he had any chance at all. But here he was, a pile of filthy rags, asking God to help him become a better person. That's all he asked. Amen. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. So he did. He cried out, he rose, and then he followed. Have you come to a point in your life where you've cried out? Where you rose and admitted you were a sinner? That you couldn't earn your way to heaven? that you couldn't be good enough to be there? Have you decided to assemble yourself with a bunch of other hypocrites and try to be, make yourself a better person? Have you casted away any of those old garments in order to get to Christ, in order to be more of service to Christ, to be more in communion with Christ? Have you thrown aside any of those filthy rags? Or do you still cling on to the old clothes of the past? And do you still try to cover yourself with your own phylactery? You know the big word, phylactery. <laughs> where, you, uh, where you cover yourself and you reward yourself. He wasn't looking for rewards from anybody else. He had to sacrificially, and there's salvation, service, sacrifice. And he followed God. And then what was the sacrifice? That was the first thing. Go back to the verse where the crowd says, hush, be quiet. I think that's verse uh, 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. He was at the mercy of the crowd. He was at the mercy of whoever threw food to him. He was at the mercy of whoever dropped a penny by him. And those people were telling him to shut up. His boss, so to speak, was telling him, you don't need Sundays off. His boss was telling him, you don't have to uh, do that on Wednesday night. You, he, he, was, he was subject to those people. He was at their mercy until he threw off his clothes and decided to put him at the mercy, himself at the mercy of God. Now, I know in this day and age we have some people that have to work on Sundays. Some of those people have to work so other people have off, I guess. Uh, that's not the point of the conversation is if you have any choice in the matter, I don't care what the crowd says, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. He's called me and told me to do some things, and I'm going to do them. He's told me to come to Alaska. Didn't want to, 
still don't know why I, I do know why I did. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I miss my donkey. I miss my 20 dogs instead of two. I miss, I miss the horses, miss the wonderful sunshine. There's a lot of things I sat behind. But I said, God's telling us to go. It's time to go. And we left. Each one of us have to make those kind of choices. I admire individuals. I got two phone calls in the last month from people coming to Alaska, looked us up on the Internet, and decided they wanted to try this church out because they had a destiny in mind, but they didn't want to come to that destiny unless there was a church there. That's following Jesus, making sacrifices. That's what we have to do in our lives. Sometimes it's just that simple. The Lord will bless that. I'm here to tell you I'm blessed. Get to get up on Sunday morning and holler at you people, and you all seem very gracious and forgiving and wonderful towards me. I love it. The Lord's blessed me. I'm getting too old to chase bears around too much, so they come to the garbage cans in the front yard here. I don't have hunting dogs, but the neighbor does. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a blessing. As you submit to God, as you call on God, he will respond. He hears. He hears the beggar laying along the street. He hears the persons that's accepted him already. He knows he's in tune with you. He stands there, and if you accept his word as what's best for you, as reflected somewhat in our Sunday school lesson, you have nothing but a good future ahead of you. We don't read no more about Bartholomew's in the scriptures. I, I looked. I even uh, tried to find him in the concordance and stuff. He's not mentioned again, but I bet you he had a better life than the one he had along the street. And he went against the crowd to do it. He had salvation. He did service to God, was obedient to what God told him to do, rise and come. He might have thrown away his crutches at the time. I know other men had. There's other portions in Scripture where they've done that. Service and then the sacrifice. He followed Christ rather than the crowd. Did you catch that? He followed Christ rather than the crowd. I have to apologize, Brother Rick. McCoy took the kids to uh, over here to the school for a film. I knew Brother Rick had the mental fortitude to not follow the crowd. He's demonstrated that to me a few times. And when they got to spreading profanity around at that movie theater that, at the school, he got up and left, took his youth group with him. I'm glad for the youth group that they all followed that were with him. They could have walked back to the church. I mean, it wasn't that far. But I thought we'd try that. It was a good place to try and see what was going on. He talked about it glorifying suicide. And uh, profanity got so bad, he just got up and left. That's what we need to do as Christians more often. We spend too much time in the world and we tolerate too much. I worked at a prison. I know what it's like to tolerate profanity. I know what it's like to tolerate perversion. It doesn't pay. It doesn't go anywhere positive. You be obedient to God and go and follow God. He will bless you.
Let's all stand.